Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. everybody we are matt and kevin and welcome to season three of the believe overwatch league podcast from the believe podcast network the number one podcast network for professionals please like rate and subscribe to us on itunes spotify google play stitcher luminary and TuneIn. you can also find us on all social media at believe in owl and at believe.com this week we discuss the first round of the summer showdown the new experimental patch, and we have an interview with a special guest. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to a gameplay episode of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast. We are now into the summer showdown for the Overwatch League. Um, third tournament of the year. Let's go. Kevin, how has your video gaming been in the past week? Uh, it's been pretty good. I've just been uh, playing a couple games here and there. Um, a lot of my friends have been trying to get me to play Apex Legends. Um, I, I don't know why it's not even a it's not a new update or anything, but they're like, you should try a battle royale. And I'm like, I watched them play and I'm like, how how can you look down at a box of like certain color things and just be like, I want that one. Like, I don't I don't understand how fast your brain has to like activate everything. Um, but they were two- like, Kevin, there's a. Oh, I go for it. I've played two rounds of, of Apex Legends in my entire life. The first ever round I played, I won. The second one, I lost. I'm like, okay, I've won my round of Apex Legends. I don't have to play it ever again. I have it on my Switch and on the PS4, but like, I just, I'm okay with, with not playing Battle Royale. If I did have to play Battle Royale, I would play Apex because I did enjoy it. It's just Battle Royale is not my style. Yeah, I don't have the the mental capacity to look at a bunch of things that are on the floor and be like, I I need this one in my inventory. Um, I don't, I don't get how the kiddos do it, but they're fast. They're like, oh yeah, they're they're over here, and I'm like, I don't I don't know how how any of this works. So, um, yeah, they're putting me through the ringer um, for Apex Legends, um, and then on top of that, I've just been watching a lot of highlight videos of Pokemon Unite. I'm trying to get mentally prepared for that um because i i really do want to play that game and start start on that um as soon as possible uh how about you matt how's your how's your week and how's your gaming my gaming has not been good i can't play a single round of overwatch without my internet flashing the uh the red disconnect symbol and saying no you can't play today no, you're playing comp right now. Okay, get ready to lose some SR. Nope, you don't. You don't get to to do your placement. So it's been really rough. I've just kind of been crying deep inside. Um, I have not gotten to village yet. It's download. Like I, uh, I've said I was gonna beat um Tomb Raider first before I beat 
village, but I feel like I've heard village is really short, so I might as well. I feel like I might just play it and finish it. I need to finish Cyberpunk too, so I can get it off of my uh my my PS4. But I've heard that they finally updated it to a point where it's like actually passable. I never had an issue with it. I thought it ran fine, but some people apparently didn't enjoy it as much. Um, it crashed just as much as any other like open world RPG crashes. It's got bugs like any one of them has. It's not terrible, but hey, now it's fixed. So if you wanted to play, you can play it. Yay. No more buggy games. Anyway, let's get into the games of the tournament of the week so again this was the first week of the summer showdown on friday we had the london spitfire lose one to three against the paris eternal the gladiators did beat the san francisco shock three to two on saturday we had the hungzhou spark taking 3-0 against the los angeles valiant the Seoul dynasty went three to one against the chengdu hunters the gongzhou charge took three to two over the new york excelsior the London Spitfire went 2-3 against the San Francisco Shock. The Florida Mayhem went 2-3 against the Toronto Defiant. Vancouver Titans 1-3 against the Boston Uprising. The Hangzhou Spark lost 0-3 to the Seoul Dynasty. Chengdu Hunters was 3-0 over the Gangzhou Charge. New York Excelsior went 3-0 over the Los Angeles Valiant. The Los Angeles Gladiators went 2-3 against the Paris Eternal. The Boston Uprising went 3-0 against the Florida Mayhem, and the Toronto Defiant went 3-0 over the Vancouver Titans in the Battle for Canada. So this was a surprising week for a lot of these results. I I was not expecting the Spitfire to go 2-3 against the Shock. I was not expecting the, the Gladiators to lose to the Paris Eternal. The Boston Uprising surprised me by beating the Mayhem. Uh, this was a weird, weird week. Um Kevin, you watched the the Shock versus Glads, correct? Yes, I did. Um, these games were all over the place, uh, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Um, the first match, if we're going to go over the the Gladiators versus the Shock, um, I need to preface this with the the tweet that came out prior to uh, prior to the match. So the uh, Los Angeles Gladiators tweeted this video of Moth saying. Sorry, SF Shock. No ons, no win. And they're like, oh, okay. And so they took the bait and they played ons in the first round um, alongside Glister. And this was something that I was discussing with Matt last week. It's um, with Striker retiring, right? And then ons coming back in. What does that mean for the role for Glister? Um, we figured that out really quickly. Um, Glister looks really comfortable on like on the tracers or the sombers, just getting really in there as quickly as possible. Um, it gave him so much more freedom and it felt more to his style. Um, even though the first match that they played was Ilios and they lost it 2-0. Um, the first map that they went to went 99 to 100 um, in favor of the Gladiators, which took a long time um but it was it was a good way to show how these two teams are going to be playing against each other and how well they're how well they match up really um and then the the second one was a full stop they were just able to full hold and it was it was uh not pretty um but they went to king's row um for map two and once they flipped to king's row they swapped out ons for nero and 
showing this aspect of it, it was it it's interesting because they also bring in like a bunch of just different the San Francisco shock. And this is something that was reminiscent of their um their season two kind of style. Um and season three really where they had certain lineups for different maps just because of the way how they played with each other. Um so they switch in not only Smurf for Super, they also bring in um Nero in for Ons. And you would think that they would keep Ons for the long range hit scan on King's Row, since there are a lot of like really long sight lines for that. But they played in a way that kind of like forced the issue a lot. They would play a lot more brawly because they had to play behind Super. Um and they would just get in like really quickly. But both of these teams went the distance. They capped um, at the very end. Then they had to play um, defense for that first half. And um, the San Francisco Shock were able to defend the point from the Los Angeles Gladiators um, on the first point. And yeah, SF was able to just get that one tick and clean it up. But it was not like an easy one tick. I think it was like a 92% on point one. Um, cap for the Los Angeles Gladiators and it wasn't until the shock actually like got got the ball rolling that it really worked in their favor but um it's really interesting to to see that and then moving on to the next one it was Junkertown um this one was a really weird map to watch um not because of the lineup it was honestly just the way how the game played um nobody looked comfortable in this in this match um because they they kept the first uh they kept the first point and they couldn't quite get it to the second point at the at the very end for the Los Angeles Gladiators. Um when the shot came out, they they did the same thing. They were playing these like it felt really scrappy throughout the entire fight. Like nothing felt consistent or like nailed down. Like there wasn't a set play, it was more like get the kill, figure out what we're doing later. Um and it worked out in their favor for a little bit um but yeah it was just the pressure from the shock they were rolling with a little bit of momentum and it was 2-1 san francisco uh yeah it was 2-1 san francisco shock taking that win then we go to volskaya industries and this was this was a very long map as well um both teams kept the first but it just became defense of the second that made it more difficult the gladiators had a really good defense and um they brought back Ons for this one. They brought back Ons and Smurf, and they played Twilight. That's something that, like, I don't think, yeah, we didn't see Twilight except for Ilios Part 1. Um, but, yeah, Twilight is being shown in the lineup again. So they at least are flexing a couple of their pieces that they do have. Um, and it's looking solid. Um, the only thing is, when it came down to Volskaya, the defense that they had from both Birdring and Kevster... Um, just being able to zone out uh, the San Francisco Shock and pick off the supports early. Um, the Shock really had no staying power. So um, the LA Gladiators take that map 2-1 to one and we're tied at 2 apiece in the overall series. They go back to Lijong Tower. Um, this time they show a different look. They don't bring Ons. They don't bring Twilight. Um, instead, they bring in Nero and FD God again. And they run Super on this one instead of Smurf. So... It's a completely different look on Lijong Tower than it is on Ilios. And it worked out as they could have, but 
Um, the gladiators just had overwhelming like pressure, um, and that's something that's really difficult for the shock to really handle, um, especially when you have new pieces and you're trying to figure out everything. But um, yeah, the gladiators are really scary. Um, they went up, you know, three to two. They took the shock to the edge, and the I get the plus side once again is the gladiators look like a really strong team and they're doing very well and they're very coordinated. Um, the shock on the other hand are still trying to figure out what looks to send on certain maps. Um, they have a lot of talent. It just becomes who do you put in for a certain moment um, and how do you clean that up? So that is something that the teams definitely have to look into. Now what happened when they faced the, the Spitfire? So moving on into the second game that the shock had was the London Spitfire. Um, this one was a 2-3 overall, and the San Francisco Shock did squeak it out here. Um, I say squeak it out because it was very uh, not clean. Squeaky <laughs> bum time. Yeah, it was uh, definitely squeaky bum time. Um, the first map um, went all the way to the end. I You have to give Blase a lot of credit for um for oasis when they played blase and hottie like they gave super such a hard time because the one thing that you don't expect because of the way how it's played blase's been playing like may and when you're when you're a tank and you're getting pressured by not only their reinhardt but also their may if you have no help you just get erased so super had a really tough time like just trying to survive on these maps and trying to like hold them off. Um, they did end up taking one. I think it was um I think it was university that they got. But it other than that, it just felt like Smurf or it felt like Super was always like taken out of the fight as quickly as possible. Uh just so that they could deal with the rest of the team um one at a time. But honestly, it, it was a really close fight, you know, two to one, full like 99 caps. So um Definitely took a long time for that first map on Oasis. Um, moving on, Eichenwald. Um, the Shock pretty much just ran as quickly as they could. They had the offense attack first. And um, yeah, they, they went with Glister, Twilight, and Smurf in this one. So they subbed out the... Uh, they subbed out Super. And they subbed out FD God to, to make this change. And... Um, yeah, they kind of just went in and ran through them as quickly as possible. Um, completely different story of what we saw in Oasis. Oasis was a really slow, grindy game. Um, Eichenwald was like, you're going to give us a space. We're going to take it. Like, they they did not care. There was no regard for human life in that match. Um, and, yeah, the London Spitfire did cap the first point, but they really couldn't get past, like, the choke of the door on... Point two. So it was something about this lineup that really worked. Um, and yeah, it just clicked for them. Um, this was probably the most unfortunate map that I've ever seen. Um, Rude 66. Um, the Lone Spitfire match three. Um, so they bring in Shax um, for the uh, London Spitfire this time. Um, and this was just so bizarre, honestly. Um, they bring in Super and FD God for the San Francisco Shock side. Um, so the London Spitfire get it to get it past point one and get it 
not quite to point two, right? Um, it when it flipped to the other side for the shock, I think they missed it by like under a meter to <laughs> of the cart, and there was I think it was like a forty-five second fight on cart to see if they can get that last bit, and they couldn't do it. So just watching this happen in real time, I'm like. They can they can win this, and then you just start seeing the shock trickle on there because of spawn advantage for the Spitfire, and you're just like, they are they are not going to be able to get this. Like, it is just so tough for them to continue to throw bodies at the cart and still have a competitive chance. So, literally under a meter in order to get to the final part here, but the London Spitfire did take that second map. Um, there's really good defense, honestly. Like Molfig did really well, and um, Shax just zoned them out um, as quickly as they could. But it was honestly a very, very close match. Um, then they went to Temple of Anubis. They did weird things on Temple of Anubis. This is and Route 66. The Shock do weird things on these maps. Um, the one thing that you that I wanted to point out is like Nero was on Hanzo for some of these maps. Um, Route 66 in particular, he would use it to zone certain spots. Um, and Eichenwald. Um, he touched it on occasion. But Temple of Anubis, they did the same thing. They tried to use the uh, use the dragons in order to zone people out again. Um, it works out in in this game just because they can prevent um, they can prevent the London Spitfire from really pushing onto point two uh, without like getting punished completely so um a lot of space taken up by the dragons really just give them space so um it goes two to one in favor of the san francisco shock they were just able to um hold off on the point on the second point and really not give them a chance um so it's two two we go to nepal and they go the full distance again it's a one to two san francisco shock win here but the games were very close like it it's weird. Um, the London Spitfire look really like comfortable with where they're at. Um, I just don't know what specific pieces they they would need in order to push them over the edge to make them like a like a full title contender. Um, and the Shockers still trying to figure out what they're doing. So they they finally got Twilight back, which is something that I was mentioning it feels like we haven't seen him in forever um but also with the inclusion of ons there's still a lot of like roster questions um that come into play so yeah the san francisco shock end this week with a 1-1 record but both of the games went the distance there's like there's going to be definitely a lot of tape for the san francisco shock to look at and um hopefully they polish things up moving on uh throughout the rest of the summer showdown but what was it that you think that the Spitfire did that gave the San Francisco Shock so much trouble? And what state do you think that the, the Shock are in now as a team? I think that they're still in that weird like roster shuffle like mentality. Like they there's a lot of players who have never played with each other. Like they're all great players, right? Like you have like an all-star cast here. It's just a matter of getting them comfortable enough to be able to continue forward um, and find that cohesion that made them champions in the first place. Um, I feel like you see it a lot more in the gladiators game, but the 
pace between FD God and Moth is really different. And it's not just Moth um, that changed the way how it is. It's just the comfortability of knowing, okay, what is Moth's timing? What is he doing? Um, versus like FD God is doing things that are correct, but it's just different than what the original shock play is. Um, and it's going to take teams a lot longer to figure that out. So, um, yeah. And when it came down to the London Spitfire, um, I felt like Route 66 was really close. It, it was unnecessarily too close. Um, it didn't need to be this close. Um, but yeah, moving, moving forward, I think that the, the SF Shock just need to find what works for them and what looks to send to certain maps. They're, they're not 100% comfortable on that. Um, and the London Spitfire are just doing really well. They just found like certain things that work for them. Like the May with uh, May Rhine really punishing people on control points and then also just using like using May actually for them worked out a lot more than I expected. Um, it's just because they could zone a lot of people out and you know, she's not banned, so you might as well use them. Moving on to the stuff that I saw. Um, so I watched the Hunters versus the Dynasty, which was very it was it was a bit of a, a toss-up match because I know that the hunt I don't like the hunters still, but they're doing a lot better than they used to. Um and the dynasty I've liked, but they've not they've not been the most successful of teams. They're they'll get pretty far and then they'll kind of collapse a little bit when they, when it counts. They they're not able to stand up as well as they could, kind of like the NYXL. I feel like those two teams are kind of in a similar place uh right now in the, the standings. Um so um the dynasty or the the one of the big things for the hunters was that they were running Taro Cookie. Um and this was his very I think believe this was his first match. Um and he was new. So I feel like there was a lot of pressure on him to perform. So in this first map on Ilios on Lighthouse and Well, um in in both of these areas of the map, they were both they the hunters gave some fights. They were able to take some point percentage, but they weren't able to really complete to, to, to hold it for very long. I feel like they were kind of scattered, kind of all over the place. On well, they were running a Winston Zarya comp, so uh, that was a little bit more sturdier than the Hammond and Diva dive that the um, the Hunters were running. So I feel like those those factors combined lost Ilios for um, the Hunters. We moved on to Hollywood, um, and the Hunters like they did a lot better than they should have. They were able to push the the cart all the way to point three. They were able to to really get a hold on the last point of Hollywood um, when the the dynasty were attacking. Um, the dynasty attack pretty much went was a steamroll until you get to the very end of the 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 movie set um, soundstage area that point three where um, uh, Marvel and, and Gaga both. Um, they both die for the for the dynasty, which creates an opening for the hunters to finally get a hold. And from that point on, because the hunters are already set up, the dynasty just really aren't able to to find a way to to break in it and complete that capture. So, um, the hunters got the hold there. 
the hunters were really able to take the fight to the uh, the dynasty when they were um, when it was their turn to attack. They had a lot of mistakes though, so I don't feel like they really deserved to push it as far as they did. Um, there are times where Monk would just randomly burn his transcendence, and it doesn't. It really didn't make sense for him to do it. It, it felt like they were floundering. They didn't have effective communication. They were wasting their ultimates. Um, but somehow just by throwing bodies at the cart, they eventually were able to push it almost to the point where they would have won the map, but the dynasty just barely eked out a hold. Um, they were a lot of what they did was focus on Marvel so that they, the dynasty wouldn't have the main tank. Um, so that allowed them to continue to have that momentum and push. But I felt like, the, again, they, they didn't deserve to get as far as they did here. Um, moving on to Gibraltar, they switched Jimmy out for Taro Cookie, um, which gave the Hunters a lot more of that damage, that finesse, that um, experience that they needed to finally get some progress and actually um, actually get a win on this map. Um, so for the Hunters attack, they, they got a lot of really good damage. They pushed it all the way right up to get really close um, on, the, on point two didn't get a full hold but still a respectable push and but when soul were attacking that's when um the hunters really woke up they took the high ground on that first point and they had just jimmy on his ash and then getting pocketed and just raining down hell upon this old dynasty they were not able to get it even to the point one they pushed it through the uh uh the car wash but that's pretty much as far as they got. So it's a remarkable difference between Jimmy's play and Taro Cookie's play. Um, Jimmy's getting all these amazing headshots, damage, damage boosted. So um, that, that ability to defend is what really saved the Hunters here from getting completely 3-0'd. Um, they swapped in the next map on Hanamura, they swapped in uh, Nisha for Eveltal. And... Um, again, the Hunters did a little bit better here now that they had Jimmy. Um, there's nothing really that noticeable about this Hanamura play, except that the Dynasty are just still, even with Jimmy, not the the Dynasty are more coordinated. They're they're much, they move at a faster pace. Um, I feel like the map also wasn't conducive to Jimmy playing the Ash. He had to change a lot of times. So his, his, his comfort on those long distance DPS sniper characters wasn't really effective. So the dynasty took it here. Um, I have a question for you, Kevin, if you were mm -hmm. the coach for this team, Taro cookies new Taro cookie is not playing at a level where he can really compete right now. What do you do as a coach? Do you play Jimmy in, to to get those wins or do you play taro cookie so he's getting more comfortable and getting the experience he needs to actually start making an impact in the game and take that risk i feel like as a coach you have to obviously like kyp it's something that's in sports it's know your personnel if you know that taro cookie gets more experience by being in an like like in a pressure situation like being in game you want to give him the shot to like understand what kind of pressure comes out from these kinds of plays um especially when you're playing against teams that are either more experienced or have a better standing than you um having that level of participation is really important 
Um, but at the same time, it does come down to like your record right now too. Um, you don't want to end up losing too many. Um, so I feel like you put him in for games that um, you either know that it works for the system wise. Like if if a certain player feels more comfortable playing with another player, um, like the best example for me was. Um, like when whenever Ons is in, like Twilight is usually in as well. So like having those two together really help. Um, but for for the new players, it's more like just get in there. Uh, you you want this high tier experience. This is what you get paid for. You should try to take your shot here. Um, I just don't want to get to a point where you you have to like catch up in terms of the rankings. So mm-hmm. I feel like it's a smart idea to let him play. Um, if he learns from a situation, otherwise, like get the person who you know can give you results in that in that moment. Do you think maybe like playing him one round at least, and then letting Jimmy take over the rest would be like a kind of a good healthy medium between that 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 just you you know that you get results from Jimmy, but you're also letting um Tara Cookie dip his feet in the water. Yeah, that that's definitely a good idea as well it's just to let him let him at least get one map in um whether it's the 2cp or the mm-hmm. uh the initial control point map um and then like yeah you could swap them in for for the other one if you want like that's kind of what we did with twilight and uh and ons because they're, they both kind of returned this week so um it's just a matter of getting them used to the area again like getting getting mm-hmm. used to that pressure situation um and yeah you, you put them in for a couple maps you get them you get their feet wet and then hopefully they can turn up and clean up the rest of the game later okay um so moving on i also watched the mayhem versus the defiant i watched both of the mayhem games but the first one was mayhem versus defiant this also had um a, a new player on one of the rosters. So Aspire was filling in on a temporary contract. And I mean, the difference between these rookies or not necessarily rookies, but um, these people filling in is night and day. Um, Aspire, like whereas Taro cookie was definitely feeling the pressure. Aspire was taking the fight to Yaki. Like um, I feel I, this was this also checkmates first game. I believe this might've been checkmates first game as well. I don't remember him playing on in the other mayhem games. Maybe they just brought him up for the first time. Um, but like Aspire was taking the fight to Yaki and very much holding his own that Yaki did have a lot of trouble with this. Um, not much really was notable about this match. It was three to two. So it was very close. I feel like the difference was though, is that it, it was in play style. Like for this, at least Florida was playing very, um, they they were trying to play very, very slow. They were running dive a lot, but they were playing very slow about it. They were just kind of poking in. Not, I didn't feel like they were committing. They split off a lot as as I feel like they tend to do. They'll like send different heroes around or players around to try to kind of poke in the back line and then dive in, which wasn't, wasn't really working. Um, I feel like this was a, a classic. Well, not even that, because uh, Toronto was also running. Toronto was also running dive too. They just, I feel like, 
the reason why Toronto's dive worked better was because they were actively being more aggressive. They actively engaged and they um, they played as a unit. They they didn't do that. They, they they didn't try to divert attention or try to split focus. They went in as the death ball, um, death ball dive. So I feel that was that's really that was really big for them. And especially having Aspire to contest Yaki, because I feel like Yaki is used to being really unchallenged. So um, I feel like that is what won this match for the um, the, the for the Defiant. And then moving on to um, to day three, the Uprising versus the Mayhem. This was interesting also because Reinforce was casting and he wasn't on the desk. Um, he was with Sideshow. So that was a little bit of a fun thing. Um, so this was actually the first Uprising match that I'd seen all season. So I didn't know how they were playing. Um, and for them to take it, they did take it 3-0 against the Florida Mayhem. But this was as close. This was not an even cut three. Oh, this is one of those situations where the numbers didn't tell the full story because there was a draw in here. They both went to the second, like their second um, rounds of attack on um, Kings row or not Kings row on Junkertown and Volskaya. So um, that first round Nepal was um, still, even though they like it went to three maps. So this was just as close as you possibly could get. I feel like for this, again, I feel like the Florida Mayhem, while they are a good team, they're not playing as focused as I feel like they used to do. Um, they're trying to, they're still trying to run the dive. I feel like the most confident on dive, whereas the uprising were playing a lot of the, um, the Ryan diva play, which was really working for them. They, they pretty much forced the boss, not the boss. they, the Boston Uprising pretty much forced the Mayhem to play their game, um, whereas so the Boston Uprising were a lot more comfortable on that Ryan Diva pick than the Florida Mayhem were, which I guess also led to their downfall. Um, the Mayhem were trying, I guess, interesting things. Um, they were committing, so they weren't committing to like staying together as a unit. They were committing to try to be cheeky and get win that way. Like if you look at Volskaya, there's one point where um, Yaki's trying to hide and he kind of does the sit emote behind one of the doors, um, and he's trying to get into trying to get their back line when um, they're not looking. So the Reinhardt runs right by, but but I am 37 looks at him flashbangs him and, and headshots him and you can just see uh, you can just see on Yaki's face that he's like super disappointed that it didn't work and he's like shocked that like I am 37 would think to do that um also I would say a big a big portion of why the um the Boston uprising were so effective was the use of I am 37 on the Symmetra very aggressive teleporter play like a lot of um, a lot of teams have been using aggressive teleporter play, but IM37 was just consistently pushing his team using that teleporter right, either right behind or right in the face of the Florida Mayhem, which they're not, they weren't expecting that. They weren't expecting that to be so aggressive. Plus, like the, the scaling damage of that Symmetra um, just ate through the Florida Mayhem. They had really no answer to IM37 at all during this entire matchup. So, um, Boston definitely has stepped up from the days when they were kind of the bot a bottom tier team. They are, I think that they have a, a good, um, a good place in the middle of the pack here. And that is all that I watched for the week. All right. So looking 
at next week's schedule, week 12. On Friday, we have the Paris Eternal facing the San Francisco Shock. Considering the Paris Eternal did just beat the LA Gladiators, I am interested to see how this is going to ma- match up. Um, the Washington Justice are facing the Atlanta Reign. And on Saturday, we've got the Fusion versus the Charge, the Dynasty versus the Dragons, a rebroadcast of the Fusion versus the Charge. The Eternal are going to hit the Titans. The Fuel are going to go against the Mayhem. And the the Houston Outlaws are going to hit the San Francisco Shock. On Sunday, we've got the Soul Dynasty against the Charge, the Fusion against the Dragons, a rebroadcast of that Fusion Dragons map, the Atlanta Reign versus the Fuel, the Titans versus the Outlaws, and the Justice versus the Mayhem. So this is actually looking like a really, really intense week. Yeah. There's a lot of heavy hitters going head-to-head, at least from what the schedule is, is saying here. Okay, so in, in the the shock matches, Kevin, who do you think is going to take those? Because those ones are going to be really fun to watch. Uh, the the first one, obviously, the Friday game between the Paris Eternal and the Shock. Um, I feel like the Shock are. I, I don't want to say are playing angry. Like it's not the same team that we've seen in the past, but the Shock definitely will be looking at tape. So I want to say that the Shock have the better lineup like personnel than the Paris Eternal, but the Paris Eternal have shown results in the past mm-hmm. couple of weeks. So um that's I feel like is the difference here. So we have to we have to see what the shock decide to bring lineup wise against the Paris Eternal and for which maps. Um so I'll definitely be taking a peek at that one. Um and then versus the Houston Outlaws, they're kind of going through the same process as us. They just lost, you know, hydration got dreamer. But um this one's definitely a match that like when I look at it on paper, this is going to be one to pro- that will probably have like, you know, summer showdown implications um, and might mean a lot more than, you know, just playing, playing out the match here. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. So thank you for tuning into our episode for the gameplay section of the week. Please turn into our new section in our interview with Lindsay Ely. If we, haven't been tired of me talking about that yet. Um, thank you also for a thousand listeners in the past month. Kevin, how does that feel? We had a thousand people listening to us. Yeah, it's it's kind of insane. Um, I'm I'm surprised that we get more than you know a hundred a week, but it's really great to hear all of the support come in from everyone. Um, and definitely let us know on Twitter or you know any of our socials anything that you want us to follow or teams that you want us to specifically hone in on. Um, I'm a little biased just because like I've, I've worked with the shock organization. So um, it's fun to watch, you know, all of the turns and all of the roster changes and stuff, but definitely down to focus on another team. If you know, our viewers want to hear that. All right, guys, thank you again for tuning in for the week and we will see you soon adios next week we update you on gaming news and continue our coverage of the summer showdown thanks for listening to this week's episode if you like what you hear Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms and follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. Questions or comments? Please send us an email 
at believeinowl at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.